Welcome into The Harvest, a podcast dedicated to helping ordinary believers take the message and mission of Jesus out of the building and into the everyday places of life. On today's show, Abigail sits down with Ben Hanna, a missionary who is now working as a pastor of pastors. They have a great conversation about how we can better encourage and support our leaders in today's church culture, as well as ways to cultivate movement within our churches. We hope this conversation encourages you as we work together in the body of Christ to better reach the corner of the harvest where the Lord has placed us. Hey everyone, welcome back. I am doing an interview this week, not Andrew, so i got to pick up the slack and try to do my very best. Um, but today I am here with my good friend, Ben Hanna, and we met, we don't know, maybe two or three years ago. I think so. And we have been doing house church together for at least the last two years, and he has so much wisdom and insight. I just had to get him on the podcast, so thanks for joining us, Ben. So it'll Love be a very him. short podcast, I'm <laughs> sure all the wisdom. No, 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 no. In fact, I just want our listeners to know, just so they can have context, if you go back and re-listen to episode 11 of our first season, you will hear my interview with Nathan Clark, and he talks about how he came to follow Jesus and who discipled him, and ta-da, it was Ben Hanna. So that is a really cool connection to last season, and now we get to hear from Ben himself. So that is a really cool thing. So we're glad to have you today. And I think I just want to start, you've had a very interesting life and ministry, and I just want you to start at the beginning, tell our listeners just kind of your background, your history. Yeah, so I grew up the son of a pastor, and uh, we moved around, actually this is my third time to live in San Antonio, (laughs) because my dad was a pastor here, we just keep coming back. Um, he wound up at a place called the South Texas Children's Home where I was, uh, I grew up with kids that were placed there by the state. And so that was my experience uh, of seeing these kids uh, being taken care of by people who just love Jesus. Um, later on, uh, went to seminary and uh, my wife and I um really felt called to missions at that point. And uh, we were sitting in a, a Sunday night prayer service at a church there in Fort Worth. And afterwards, we just both knew that God was calling us to missions. And so we wound up in Slovakia. We were in Slovakia starting an international English-speaking church for two years. Where is that? Used to be Czechoslovakia. Okay, okay. okay. Man, bad at geography. So you go to <laughs> you go to Austria and hang a right. Okay, got it. And uh, so after what they call the Velvet Divorce was when Czechoslovakia broke up. It's kind mm-hmm. of a peaceful uh, breaking up of this country. And uh, so anyway, we were there for two years, and it was a post-communist country. Um, some really really challenging times. Uh, one note you'd greatly appreciate my wife Meredith. Uh, was pregnant at the time. We didn't realize until we got there. She had her baby across the border in Austria, and it was 33 hours back labor with no pain medication. So my wife's a a tough lady, and she did it all in German. Never mind. We need her on the podcast. (laughs) Just forget it. I'm going to reference Meredith a lot. So at the end of our our time there, we had helped to start an international 
English-speaking church. Mm. And, and from what we understand, it's still there, so it's wow. really exciting. Uh, uh, at the end of that time, we, we really wanted to continue our time there, but God called us back. Um, but we knew that we'd be returning then to Serbia. Uh, we, we were uh, put in a request to go to Serbia, to Belgrade. Um, in our intermediate time, when we came back to the States, we, we actually, uh, something God's grace was at work in our life. We had a, a baby. My wife was nine months pregnant, and uh, she lost the baby at nine months. It was a, a really, really hard time. Um, again, I, I say she's a, she's a tough lady, and uh, but loves the Lord dearly. And so that didn't deter us from the call. And so we, uh, we came to Serbia and started to work in Belgrade there. Uh, we're in Belgrade for about a year, uh, learning the language, trying to learn the culture uh, when the bombing started. And so we, uh, we wound up evacuating from Serbia. Uh, we drove out the morning of the bombing. We drove at two o'clock that morning, left the city. And about eight o'clock that night, we saw and we pulled in this little hotel where we're meeting some other people from our missions agency and looked up over the bar at in the hotel and there's a television there and we saw the bridge that we had gone across where the you know the tracers were going up and the bombs were coming down yeah it really broke our hearts because we had friends there yeah we didn't know if we we're going to be able to go back yeah um so we were around uh, Europe for a while, just mm-hmm. trying to see where God would have us. Wound up in Bosnia, and we served in Bosnia, also with the Serbs who lived in Bosnia, uh, the Serbian section of Bosnia. And then uh, about a year and a half into that, we, we were able to go back into to, to, uh, Serbia because, you know, the United States and NATO were bombing at the time, so we couldn't be there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went back and then uh, had some really fruitful ministry. Um, we had uh, guys who would come over, uh, college students who would ride mountain bikes, and they would prayer bike. You oh, have to, you have prayer to pray. biking. You have That's to pray, cool. uh, but you pray <laughs> definitely with your eyes open as you prayer bike. Yeah. Uh, had some exciting times with that. Some great guys actually now who are serving full time. One is a country lead in Serbia. And so just out of that, that cool. pack of these wild college guys who came over <laughs> just on fire, and uh, yes. it's beautiful. Now, uh, one of the guys has three kids, mm-hmm. and just so good to see them come full circle. Um, during that time, though, an, another challenge that hit us was that my, my wife, again, the tough lady, was uh, diagnosed with a brain tumor, and uh, it was about the size of an egg. And again, God just showed his grace through that because uh, it just so happened we had a team there and uh, on the team was uh, uh, my best friend he was a, a cardiologist at Brook Army Medical Center uh, head of cardiology there and the mm-hmm. the MRI the only MRI that functioned in the town had been there for a month and so, so God sent it we it just a you. month in, in advance <laughs> yeah and the other people who wow. were there uh, one man and his wife were just incredible prayer warriors. They prayed for us. Uh, another man, because we were trying to send the film of the MRI scan back to the States, to the doctor. Um, 
we couldn't get it to go through because of the bandwidth and the old modem. And uh, one of the guys there happened to own an internet company and was able to, <laughs> wow. and this was a very small team, but everybody there, a guy just placed there by his grace, mm-hmm. came back to the, to the States on the last day my daughter could fly with her passport. And so just really cut it close. We came back on a Monday, talked with the doctor on a Wednesday, and she had surgery the following Monday. And the doctor told us at that time, it was about an eight or nine hour surgery. He said, it's going to be two years before you can go back to the field. And God, through his grace, we were back in Serbia in two months. What? So really, really fruitful time. That's when we worked with uh, these uh, mountain bikers. Yeah. Um, But... At the end of that time, uh, the tumor grew back, Mm -hmm. and so we returned to the States in 2004. Um, So we're we're getting up to at least this decade. (laughs) We're getting there. We're getting there. Um, Worked worked in the Houston area for a while with with the Baptist General Convention of Texas and uh, assisting churches there. Mm -hmm. And then we just felt called uh, to be back on the front lines. And so we came to to, uh, San Antonio 11 years ago started a house church network and, and God just did some amazing things. We made a lot of mistakes, um, tried a lot of things that didn't work, but through that God was just really gracious. And then we got connected with the No Place Left Network. And and that's how we connected with uh, Chuck and Deb Wood and uh, Nacho and Sarah Pacina and uh, other folks, John and Janelle, who are in Uganda as we speak. Yeah, we've got all of our team is yeah, we're like scattered. the only ones left. That's right. That's right. We're here to report <laughs> on what right. God's doing around the world. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, just worked with with house churches in our home. We had a house church for a while and really saw Nathan and Allison and some of these others who, who were just really growing in the Lord uh, just launched out and just been doing amazing things, you know, beyond what we could even ask or imagine. And so um, just continuing with that, about four or five months ago, I started with uh, the Baptist General Convention of Texas here doing something called the Church Health Initiative. And so the Church Health Initiative, it's a five-year program, and it came out of the a really intense need of pastors who were just um, really struggling. Uh, a lot of pastors uh, feel very isolated. Um, they feel like they're the, the Bible answer man and the, the mm, pastor of everyone yeah. else. But a lot of times they don't they don't have people who really care for or shepherd or, or pastor them. Yeah. And so that's a real challenge. And so this this initiative, it's with a team here and it's to it's to meet uh, the needs of pastors to impact the churches, to impact the communities. But you start with starting with the pastors. Yeah. And it's a holistic take. So uh, we, we deal with finances, with uh, physical health, with spiritual, uh, emotional, and uh, uh, mental health as well. And so somebody's going, you know, a lot of pastors, like a, a typical uh, pastor in the area, uh, one who hasn't been to seminary, he, he's making $26,000 a year. He's got a congregation of about 60, and he doesn't have insurance. He's working over 60 hours a week, um, and he feels isolated, sometimes burned out, uh, struggles with depression, and all these things we're not supposed to talk about with yeah. pastors. No, because 
they're supposed to have it all together, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think, um, uh, you know, it's a it's a an eight county area that I have, and so um, it's way too big for one guy. Mm. So we have we have different things that we're really emphasizing. One is trying to provide some financial assistance mm. for these guys through grants, through the Lilly Foundation and the Baptist uh, uh, Health Foundation. And so it provides a grant for $5,000 for a pastor mm. and his family. But he, he's required to get three different counseling sessions, financial planning sessions with a certified financial planner, go to a workshop, and then he gets this. The second is my job is I'm I'm what they call a pastor to pastors, which I think is kind of funny because it sounds a little a little haughty, but I don't know it's, it it's, it fits. Well, I, really, the the model that we're trying to look at and follow is just Barnabas. Yeah, full of the Holy Spirit, righteous man, um, but he dealt with a lot of things. He dealt with finances. He's a, when he comes mm-hmm. on the scene, he's just laid money down and at the apostles' feet. He and Paul had their conflicts, yep. um, but he's also a, a, a man full of the Holy Spirit, a righteous man, and an encourager. So that's what we're trying to be with these guys. And the third thing is a, we're having a, a retreats or conferences, but we're trying to make them where it's not just a one-off, but steps towards the goal of health. And so... I'm talking a lot here. I'm just going to throw all this out. I'm loving it. (laughs) I'll talk when I need to. Okay. I'm going to take a (laughs) breath, so get a question ready. Okay. Um, One of the things, though, is that, you know, in addressing this isolation with these pastors, is that just uh, starting something we're calling the Barnabas Networks, where it's something, it's a group of pastors. It's not huge, but, you know, four or five pastors and they're uh, Holy Spirit-led. We want it to be senior pastor-focused as a place to start. We know all church staffs are, are called by God, but it's a, it's a place to start and focus. We want it to be local so that these guys that he's in a, a network with are not across town. They're maybe across the street or down the block in the same neighborhood, zip code. And the, and the fourth thing is that they'll be holistic. So doing a deeper dive quarterly on these different areas. And we had great response. We've got 10 leaders across the city right now. Another two probably that are going to be involved. And so we're going to launch that. And so September and October, they'll have their first times to come together, just pray, support each other. It's not going to be real programmatic, Mm -hmm. not onerous in, hey, you need to do this stuff, but just trying to get them together to support Pray for each other. And then uh, September and October to meet. And then that'll culminate in a in a retreat for a pastor and their spouse in November. And so we're using that to really bring these different Barnabas networks together yeah. to encourage each other, to be blessed, to have a time just a refreshing and some fun. Yeah. So I'm going to take a breath now. Okay. It's a lot. It was great, though. Okay. And I, I think that what's fascinating to me, I mean... You know, we have been in house churches for a while now, Brett and I have. And then a lot of our listeners are in local churches, but they're probably not pastors themselves. And so it's so good for us to hear how they're really doing and maybe to see things a little bit more from the leader's perspective and from their side. Um, so it's to me, that's it's all kind of just really eye opening, honestly, of how 
we can, as maybe the people in the congregation, we can minister or at least pray for our pastors. Um, but I, I think my first question is really, how should we be looking at partnering with our pastors? I mean, there are leaders, but what is maybe the first thing that they would want us to do for them? I think just realize that they're people. And uh, a lot of times, you know, some of the most impactful things in our lives in ministry is when we minister from our own scars. Mm. I know in our relationship, uh, my wife and I, you know, we we haven't had a perfect relationship or a perfect marriage, but it's just really a picture of God's grace. You know, you look at all the stressors that we've been through and, you know, we should be done. Uh, it, we, you know, we should be done. And yeah. she is very administrative, very responsible. <laughs> and oh, I'm good. On, what a I'm, gift. I'm on the other end of that spectrum. I'm, I'm more big picture, strategic. But that said, you know, we're people. And uh, before we're missionaries, before we're pastors, God has a name for us that he speaks to us. We, he, he has the identity for us. My identity is not as a pastor. Mm. He has, you know, Revelation talks about the secret name that he has written on the rock for you. And I, I think God names people and he renames people. Mm-hmm. Abram became Abraham. You know, you go all through scripture, uh, Jacob uh, down to Israel mm-hmm. and um, Sarah from Sarai. And then even... Even Jesus was giving his inner circle nicknames. Yeah. You know, Rocky and the Sons of Thunder. Um, but he, he gives them a name of meaning, and that's what we have. So just know that your pastor is not just a pastor. He's a guy. His, his family are people. And as you have needs, they have needs as well. So just think about what your needs are as someone sitting in the pew and just realize that your pastor has those as well. He needs someone to go and blow off steam with, uh, to pray for, to to pull him aside and say, that was really good, spoke mm-hmm. to me, yeah. or what can I do? So I just think uh, those simple steps, um, trying to respect a pastor's time and not expect him to be all things all the time just to everyone. Just available all the time. That's right. <laughs> Uh, because there, there's such an intense, uh, one, responsibility that he feels. And a lot of times, if you identify as your spiritual gift as a pastor, you may resonate. This may resonate with you that sometimes you feel burned out or drained or spent. Mm-hmm. And you need, in a Sabbath rhythm, you need a Sabbath too. And so respecting the pastor's need for the Sabbath, because it ain't Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, that's what Find he's out on. what date is. That's what yeah. he's on, right. And respect that. And then and then bless them. Mm-hmm. Uh, October is, you know, Pastor Appreciation Month, I think, uh, week. I think it's like the 13th. Get them a gift card or write them a note. Notes are great because they last. And he'll keep them. Yeah. And the wife will, you know, the spouse will keep those notes. And so just simple things like that. Uh, being a friend... And then asking, maybe going and asking some of the questions, not in an intrusive way, but just in a supportive way. Uh, how are you doing? Being a friend to them. 
uh, and then encouraging them to have friends even outside of the church. Um, you know, yes, that's, that's what we're all about with Into the Harvest. So, all right, about getting outside the church building. <laughs> all right. So, those would be a few. Yeah, thoughts. that's really good. I, I think, um, you know, more and more as even as we're leading house churches, I mean, we have just a tiny taste. Because we have, what, like maybe 20 people in a house church, and it feels like a large flock. And I can't even imagine what <laughs> yeah. they're dealing with. But um, as far as, you know, what we're trying to do with Into the Harvest of of trying to reach out of our church buildings and be out as much as possible in those harvest places, how can we partner with our local church in a supportive way that doesn't feel like, you know, we're just done with them and want to move on, right. but really help the church be the church in those places. Do you have right. any thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I think I think God in His grace, we are each where we are in our journey. And for some people, that is, they are in serving, ministering in a legacy church uh, or in what we would tend more of a traditional church. I think the most traditional church is a house church. But that's right. a different that's a different story. <laughs> but you know that's um, that's just the container mm-hmm. and the format. But every church has a rhythm, and I think one of the ways that we're seeing no place left really partner uh, with Jesus with these different uh, uh, expressions of church, whether it's a mega church or a cowboy church or house church, is it in the rhythm identifying. One, what your vision is, what your call is, and then how you want to get outside the walls. Um, I spoke with a, a guy, and the bumper sticker for their church is, the church has left the building. Nice. And, uh, and I love that picture. Um, and you see this in, in a catastrophe when a church will lose its, its building to a hurricane or a tornado. And then you realize that, you know, the, the old saying that here, the nursery rhyme here's the church mm-hmm. here's the steeple open the door see all the people well the the church is not the building it's the people and so coming alongside um, and just saying in the rhythm of what you do say it's summertime now and a lot of people are doing vacation bible school or mission trips that's what they do and yeah. they do it very well mm-hmm. and and that's what God's called them to do what if everybody on your VBS team or your Backyard Bible Club team knew how to very simply share their faith. And then if people responded to that by the leading of the Holy Spirit, you took them then, you could take them from decision to discipleship. Not the default of, I got to invite them to the church building. Let's invite them to a deeper walk with Jesus, whatever that looks like. And so I think one of the ways that we've partnered with churches, and I think of uh, three churches, and uh, uh, one is a great example. Some of our teammates right now are in Uganda, and they're there with a group called Crossbridge Community Church. And we've had a long relationship with Crossbridge in just doing trainings um, at their discipleship school. Uh, they do something called uh, Kindle, where they'll they will go into a different part of the city and do a mission trip there. And so we've helped uh, lead, we've helped train for some of those and training people, how do you share your story? 
How do you uh, share the gospel with someone? How do you prayer walk? Mm-hmm. How do you find those people of peace? It talks about in Luke 10. And then once they respond, whether it's a, a red light or a yellow light or a green light, how they respond to the gospel, once they respond, coming alongside them to help disciple them. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, th- I think that's been very uh, freeing and very encouraging to see you've got a legacy church, but you've also got individuals like us who are more out in the harvest, uh, but meeting in that place where they have their relationships, they have their strengths, they have their things they're doing like a vacation Bible school mm-hmm. or their mission trips that they're doing in the rhythm of the church. And we come alongside and maybe in some cases just value add. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, in seeing that and being a part of that, it's it's shown how if we equip everyone with these tools, if all those people sitting in the pews on Sunday are equipped with the ability to right. do that, the ability to help someone in discipleship one-on-one, to share the gospel if it presents itself, all those things are just tools that they can add to their own set of giftings, their own whatever they're a part of. And you're so right. The local church is genius at throwing together events. I mean, I am amazed. As you just said, you are not a detailed person. You're a big picture. Boy, churches know how to do the details so well. And we don't need to take that from them. Like They are really gifted at it, and they also have resources that we don't have. Um, a lot of times. And so being able to just maybe throw some fuel on the fire, I Mm -hmm. guess, is a way to kind of look at it. And as, and as we all, you know, gain the vision as believers of what we are all called to do, I think that's, that's part of, of us. And if you're in a pew or if you're wherever, um, it's to find out how, if there's something you don't know how to do to find a way to be equipped in that, Mm -hmm. Um, and get in there to get started. Um, so as far as what we as, I don't know, people that maybe have a little bit of fire in our belly and want to get out and do more, um, what would you say is the place to start? Um, as, should they be starting on their knees? Should they be knocking on doors? What should they do to begin the process of helping maybe their own church be a little bit more outside the building? Mm. That may be a hard question. Yeah, no, I, I, I think uh, it, it definitely starts, and, and I'll, I'll just share back to Life Church. When we, Life Church and, and Crossbridge Community Church, when we did that, what we call Kindle. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we realized is that first four or five years, we would come and do a training in a church, and uh, we weren't seeing a whole lot of fruit come out of that. And we really convicted that we needed to do three things. And one of those things you just talked about is we needed to go deeper in prayer. Uh, we, we'll do a lot of talking and a lot of walking, but we, we need to do a lot more listening mm-hmm. and leaning in because if we're not abiding, you know, there's not going to be fruit. And so with this Kindle uh, outreach that we did on the South Side, we spent three months just praying and walking in the neighborhood and, and, and seeking God and listening. And I think that's a key is, is to be slow to speak, you know, quick to listen. Yeah. 
um, in, in listening to God. So we wanted to go deeper in prayer and that listening prayer, uh, not just a one-off, hey, God, we're going to pray, bless what we're doing, yeah. our plans. Um, the second thing is we, we had all this different training, PowerPoints. We had the manuals. <laughs> you we had, had PowerPoints? Yes, we did. Man, you were right. ready. <laughs> yeah, so why didn't it work? We had PowerPoints. <laughs> uh, so uh, we really came to the point where we said, you know, we're, we're training too broadly. It's just too much. And we have to keep it very simple because mm-hmm. that's the way I learn. Yeah. I, I, you can't dump 20 things on me because I won't do any of them. But you, if you teach me one and I have repetition, I'm, I'm not shooting a jump shot five different ways. I'm not, you know, lots of illustrations. But, you know, you, you get that one way down and you just become comfortable and confident in that way. Mm-hmm. And so I think having more reps. And one thing that really helped was we began to, to train one or two very simple tools. One's called the 411. We've talked about that before. But uh, in in doing that very simple kind of training, we had videos mm-hmm. that we would give to the people we had just trained, and and they could refresh. And so the next time we came in, they would do some of the training with us. Mm-hmm. And so you know you 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 do one, and you teach it, and then you watch it. Yeah. So we're we're modeling it to people. We assist them. I've told them about mall before. Okay, so let me just reinforce yes, that. Say it again. <laughs> you model to someone what you're doing, like how do you share your 15 second testimony, for instance. Yeah. Then you assist them. You watch them do it the third time, and then you launch them, and then you you check back. You come mm-hmm. back and and circle back around, check up on them. But support them, continue to support them moving forward. And so it a lot of times it's a one-off. We do what we call, you know, uh, an air war. Yeah. Where you fly, fly in, <laughs> drop your ordinance, and fly off. And, yeah. so, and you wonder, you know, why isn't anything happening over there? Instead of a ground war. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you look at these journalists, and they can be embedded in these different groups in the military. And they really get the story. They really form the relationships. Even in the military chaplains, you know, if you fly in and out, you don't build any trust or camaraderie with the troops. But if you are there with them, and I've got two sons in ROTC now and some great friends, you know, Chuck Wood being a chaplain and some of these other guys, Brett being the military, you know, you know, you if you do things with them, and so uh, Crossbridge, we formed a relationship with them several years ago, and it's culminated where Crossbridge is now in Uganda. And we're getting reports back of, of dozens and dozens of people coming to Christ and house churches being started every day, even healings. Mm-hmm. But it came because of going deep in relationship and going long yeah. in that staying the course. Absolutely. I love that you said, you know, you started with prayer, that it, we need to stop and listen and really be in prayer before we even get started. Like that is the first step. So if we're feeling that call to movement, that's good, but we need to start with prayer. Like that's what you were saying. That, it, it, that really worked with um, 
Church in Crossbridge because of all that prayer that went in at the beginning. Right. I really love that. And then you were saying that then you kind of focused on a very narrow kind of idea. So you guys did the 411, which we can um, link some material at the end of this podcast. So if you want to check out that particular way of, it's a, just a good tool for for showing vision and for showing how to share the gospel. So if you want to take a look at it, you can and be like, what are these numbers about? Then you'll know. Um, but then I really, I think what really resonates with me is relationship, that relationship is really where we're going to see any kind of change or impact. So that is so encouraging for us, wherever we are. So whatever group of people, you know, we're trying to impact, whether that's in a local church or whether that's, you know, in our neighborhoods or our kids' schools or wherever that may be, those relationships are there. So that's encouraging to me because I think, oh, well, I've already started some relationships. So I just need to keep going in those um, and not just be in a huge rush. So does that kind of sort of sum up maybe yes. those ideas? Yeah, and, and uh, you know, one book talks about smart trust and the fact that we move at the speed of trust. Oh, nice. And the, the stronger the trust, the nice. faster the speed, and the lower the cost, financially, emotionally. But the lower the trust, the slower the speed, and the greater the cost. Wow. And so I think you can take that in, in a, a marriage relationship, in a business partnership, and even in a church um, as, we, as we serve. We've got to know people and to build trust with them. Yeah. Um, whether that's meeting someone on the street, they're going to know whether you care them, mm-hmm. care for them, or whether they're just a number. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing that my dad taught me, he said, and, and th- this is a, a bit of wisdom a lot of people know, but it just really hit me. And I think it really applies when you're talking about sharing with people. And that is, you know, we've got to remember that we, we love people and we use things. Hmm. And when we get those things backwards, when we start loving things and using people, people know it. If they're a, if they're a stat, if there's someone I, I'm going to pray for or share at or with, they know it. <laughs> share at, you know? yeah. Yeah, and so they're, they're created in the image of God, and they'll know really quickly if, if you care for them or not. Yeah. Well, it's encouraging because I, I know that our listeners um, have people that they're already investing in. And so it's encouraging to know that we're where we're supposed to be. And those are the people we have to minister to. And I really appreciate you coming and sharing with us today and giving us really, I think, a good inside look at what our pastors are up against. Hopefully help us to pray for them better. So thanks for coming, Ben. Thanks for having it. me. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Hopefully we can do it again sometime. But right now I hear our house church literally coming in the door. So, so we're going to go. So thanks everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the show. One of the best ways you can partner with us to grow our community is to share this podcast with your friends. Whether it's word of mouth or sharing our content on social media, we need your help to spread the message. Thanks for being part of our family. Together, we're bringing discipleship into the digital age.